a lot of people look out, you know, we work out and we do these things for our body, but we don't work out our mind. And our mind is like the main source of what connects our body to be okay. I'm Leon Guidry, and this is the Brother Be Well podcast, brought to you by Sutter Health and the Sacramento County Division of Behavioral Health Services through the voter-approved Proposition 63 Mental Health Services Act. We're going to help you level up and lean into effective solutions for mental health and sustainable wellness for boys and men of color. Hi there, I'm Michael P. Coleman, content director and lead writer for Brother Be Well. We at Brother Be Well do our best to provide the most accurate information available on a variety of mental, behavioral, and general health topics. We do that in part because, as you know, spoiler alert, uh, everything you read on the internet is not accurate. For example, there's a lot, there are a lot of myths, pervasive myths, circulating online regarding the health of our brains. And we felt the need to set the record straight about those enduring myths during this podcast so we can help you and me, frankly, keep on the right path here to good brain health. To help us have this conversation, we're joined today by two of our favorite experts. Erin King is a registered nurse and secretary of the Capital City Black Nurses Association. Erin, welcome back. Good to have you, my friend. Hey, Michael. Thanks for having me. Always good to have you. As is always good to have you, Malik Sampson. He's an associate marriage and family therapist and clinical advisor. Malik Sampson, he's with the organization hearyou.org. How you doing, Malik? Doing good. Happy to be back, man. Really good to have you back. Let's get right into these questions, y'all. We got a few to talk about. Tackling that first myth. If your memory is poor, there's not much you can do about it. And we know now, some of us at least, that that's not true. But for years, that's kind of the way people thought. Let's get into this conversation. What are some of the ways in which we can improve our memory, even if memory is not our strong suit? I'm not I'm not all that old yet, but I always joke I, I have a hard time remembering names. That's not my strong suit. So what are the ways in which we can boost memory if it's not our strong suit? Let's uh, kick it off maybe with you, Malik. What do you think? What are some thoughts on that? So there's quite a few ways that you can um, improve, like what things you can do about poor memory. And one is just making sure you're being mentally active and like activating your mind more and being more intentional about what's happening and intentional about understanding what's happening and what's going on. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's also, you know, there's a lot of factors that come into play as well, like drug and alcohol use. And like when you're under the influence and that your memory under those and in those moments can play a big role in it. So the less usage of it, is also a way to help increase brain memory. Um, but also, in addition, I would definitely say when it comes to understanding that a lot of times you might have memory issues that a little bit be a little bit more serious than other just forgetting your keys or dropping some things. You might not remember whole conversations, but it's important to remember even in those moments that there's factors that come into play into that. And sometimes trauma and things like that can be subconsciously happening when you don't remember things. So kind of being aware of what of aware of when you're getting into the point to where you feel like you have a poor memory and, and seeing and being intentional about what you're doing um, in order to figure out now, what do I do to fix the brain health? What do I need to do more of? And so just to pick that apart a little bit, Malik, you, you mentioned mm-hmm. keys. And so I want to touch on that. I used to be notorious for leaving my keys. I would set them aside, not know what I did. And I spent two hours looking for keys. And what I decided to do years ago was just, it seems simple, come up with a dedicated place where I put the keys. So when I walk in the house, the keys are in my hand. I don't do anything until I go to that little drawer, drop them in there. When you say be intentional, is that the kind of thing you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly with being intentional. 
um, paying attention to every everything that you're doing because you know that I know my brain works this way. And if I do this this way, this can help me remember this. Yeah. Yeah. Aaron, did you have anything you wanted to add, add to that? Yeah, I agree with what Malik said, uh, to stay uh, mentally uh, active as far as challenging yourself, trying to build new skills, um, whether that is um, learning a new trade or even just challenge yourself to do like puzzles or crosswords. That's always great. And then sleep, like sleep is really key. Mm. Um, and you're able to kind of put your brain on standby and let it rest and recuperate recuperate. Um, overnight. And I think that's very important. Like we, you think about your computer at home, like we often shut our computer down and we're like, oh, it's been running too long. I'm going to reset it. I'm going to shut it down. Or even at, you know, at the hospital, our computers shut down um, Mm -hmm. routinely through the night, um, you know, once or twice a week, but we need to be doing that for our brain every night. And Mm -hmm. so we need to make sure we're getting proper amount of sleep. And we're going to get to that proper amount of sleep in just a minute. Uh, don't forget that <laughs> we're talking about memory. Don't forget that, Aaron, because I will come back to you on that in just a minute. But I want to ask you specifically about physical activity. One of the things I learned is that the brain being a vascular organ, it, it responds to cardiovascular exercise. So so getting that cardio in, I'm really I'm, I frankly think I've gotten good over the last couple of years in scheduling cardio in every day, at, at least 30 minutes a day. I'm on that bike. I'm taking a walk. I'm doing something to get my heart rate up. Can you talk about a little bit about the benefits of cardiovascular exercise and brain health? Yeah, definitely. It is. It is like it, your brain is an organ, and so to improve, just like when we had our segment about um, um, heart heart health, you know, yeah. the act physical activity is very important, especially with cardiovascular. And it doesn't mean like you need to be running, doing vigorous exercises. Um, yes, you could do vigorous exercises. And I think they recommend something around like 75 minutes, uh, a week, but if you're just doing some kind of active activity, you could do, you know, 150 minutes and and break that up into, um, you know, every day where you're taking a walk on your lunch or whatever Mm -hmm. it may be, um, take an extra lap around the block when you're going to check the mail, things like that. Um, But it's very important to get that circulation pump into the brain and help it bring that oxygen so it could be run at full capacity. Wow. Wow. Very interesting. While you got the mic, um, Aaron, I'm going to actually take the lead on this one. The second popular myth that I identified, Um, it used to be really, really hyped. I remember back in the day, people talked about it a lot. And I think it's starting to come back into the public um, domain, so to speak. Folks are referring to supplements a lot. Ginkgo Paloba was one of the ones that was quite popular and continues to be hyped as a brain power booster. What's the jury on that and and all popular supplements and even multivitamins in general? Is is, is there a pill that we can take that's going to boost our brain power or is there another way that we should be going? Aaron? Yeah, I hear a lot about ginkgo, especially at the infomercials at two, three o'clock in the morning. So it is kind of popular. Yeah. but you hear a lot about it. I actually was like interested to where it came from, right? And so yeah. it actually is uh, uh, comes from a, the leaves of a tree is mm. how they make that supplement, the primary way they make it. Um, but I mean, ginkgo, I don't know if there's a lot of research um, against it or for it. I haven't really found any. Um, but just like you mentioned, there's not really a magic pill. There are supplements that you could take uh, for certain um uh, vitamins in your or nutrients that you may, may be missing in your meals. Um, I know, uh, and I will talk about that um, recording before um, no. when we talked about heart health. We really strongly uh, was leaning on omega threes, which could be found in a lot of fish. No. Um, but you can also uh, supplement that in your diet um, with some uh, omega three uh, 
supplements. Um, and, you know, it's been really connected to in, uh, hypertension. And so the lowering capabilities of omega-3. And so talking about physical health and all those things that you could do to increase your blood supply to your brain. Um, another big one here about uh, B12, which seems to be in a just about everything these days. I know they're in, I think, Red Bull and things like that, Cario. And so <laughs> just yeah. things like that, uh, those kind of nutrients. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's interesting. Thank you for pointing out that, you know, you're right. We talked about the omega-3s and, and there's a you know, the um, different um, uh, healthy oils that are available through, you know, fish and, and nuts and stuff. We talked about all that in that health, heart health series. And I learned that those same nutrients, you know, also just like with exercise is going to benefit the body, is going to benefit the brain. So is that diet. So we can't forget about diet and the impact on the brain. Um, let's look at the next one of those myths. Um, my brain functions. And this one, I'm, I'm so I used to be so guilty of this, y'all. My brain functions just fine on four hours of sleep each night. I used to pride myself on it when I was younger. You know, going to work. Oh, I only got two and a half hours of sleep and I'm, I'm going to go ahead and do my, my regular eight and 10 hour day. And I've learned that I was fooling myself all along. And I bet my supervisors knew it all along. I, I thought I was doing my best work, but I've learned I was not. Let's talk about sleep. And Aaron, you got to start it there. So I don't mean to pick on you, but let's get you started there. And I'll pull you in, Malik. How much sleep do we need for optimal brain health? I mean, again, it kind of, it really um, depends on your age. I know that uh, as an adult, they recommend anywhere from like eight hours a night for sleep. Um, but in teenagers, which is kind of unusual, um, they actually recommend hired amounts of sleep for them because of the uh, amount of development that's going on um, in young children. Uh, so it's very interesting. But the lack of sleep is not only going to, you know, impact your your memory, but also your overall mental health. Hmm. Um, another big myth that is paired with that um that I only got a few hours, I could operate on four hours of sleep is that um, I'll catch up on sleep later, which is, is not really true. Like your brain doesn't operate like an hourglass, like you can't just flip it back and catch up. Hmm. And so um, really understanding that you need to get rest periods in between these days and it needs to be optimal periods, right? And so really getting that eight hours of sleep um, is um, really important for not only your memory health, but your mental health. Um, and I, I remember I, I, I talked a little bit about the computer and you're you yeah. know, needing to reset, but just understanding that in this, this, this era that we live in, all this technology, um, there's so much stress related to your day. I mean, we're, we think that it's making us more efficient, but it's really piling on more things for us to accomplish in a day. And it's also really forcing us to to multitask, right? And so you think yeah. about a computer and RAM and, you know, we're doing, we're putting more stress on our brain. Um, and so that's why sleep is more important now, you know, more than ever. I, I, I couldn't agree more. Malik, I want to ask you as a, as a mental health clinician, a therapist, have you treated or are you treating without, you know, obviously disclosing any personal details, folks who are um, dealing with mental or behavioral health conditions be solely because they're not getting enough sleep. Have you identified, uh, clients or patients who your your uh, recommendation is you should get some sleep. It's a bit of a personal question. I remember years ago, I was having, I ran into some trouble. And when my doctor actually found out, it wasn't a mental health clinician, but my doctor found out I was getting three hours of sleep every night. And he, I remember him looking at me saying, well, that's why you got the headaches. That's the heart palpitations. I was having all these physical health problems 
but I wasn't getting enough sleep. So I just want to ask you that question, Malik. Have you treated people that have suffered from, you know, basically a lack of sleep? Um, I say, well, I wouldn't necessarily say I've treated them because of the lack of sleep, but the lack of sleep contributed to what was going on wow. or, or a lack of sleep was a symptom of what was what else was going on. If it was depression, it, it could be a lack of sleep because this person is, is going through depression. So, it. yeah, it's, it is usually it's usually attached to something else. And it's a it's a big picture, a part of the problem. And when that's it and when that's happening, a lot of times they might not be able to sleep. In addition, that's in, in addition or not in addition, but they're not able to sleep because of what's going on and the emotions and the feelings that they're having is they're not able to actually go to sleep. And also it plays a role vice versa where, OK, they're depressed and they don't want to sleep because of that as well. So it honestly can show up in different ways, but it's never the sole issue. It's usually something attached to it as well. Wow. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, let's get to, to that next myth. And um, Malik, take the lead on this one. And and my family was famous for this. Dementia is inevitable. If it runs in the family, if grandma's got it, great grandma had it, if mom and pop you know, had dementia, then you can pretty much look forward to that. We're debunking myths, so it's not much of a spoiler. That one's not true. Malik, take it away. Why, why do we why do we know better than that now? Um, because it's not a it, dementia and aging are not do not go hand in hand, yeah. and that's kind of where the misconception is. Um, there is that it's dementia is just a part of aging, but it's not. So it can, it's it can also be it can be prevented, and there's things and ways you can like we talked about earlier that you can go about and do to prevent it prevent it from happening. However, it's not it's not a genetic type of disease. Mm. Is it? Yeah, I'm wondering if it. I don't mean to put you on the spot here. It uh, and I actually found a little research that says um, if a parent or sibling has with dementia, if you have a parent or sibling with dementia, it increases your odds of developing it up to 23 percent. Some experts say that, but other experts say that it's more learned behavior that that family that families that share the same, you know, socioeconomic backgrounds or educational opportunities or lifestyle habits, then they might tend to all develop dementia, but it's not a biological link. It's more of a, a, a social determinant of health. What are your thoughts about that? Um, I believe, I believe that it definitely can play, um, both of them can play a role into it. It's mm-hmm. like, because of the, because of the social element of it, it can, I do believe that it could be, I have not done much research on, on, um, on it myself personally. Yeah. So I can't, honestly tell you what which one it is for sure but just in my opinion i do think it can be something that is learned by what's been going on and a lot of other things play a role into it as well i think other mental health issues play a role into it leading to that as well got it got it i appreciate it this next one is as you know brother be well we we um uh uh are addressing the the mental and behavioral health needs of boys and men of color starting at the age of 13 so this one has got our youth in mind the the myth is most youth don't need to worry about brain health if you're young some of the things we're talking about dementia and all that that might come you know decades and decades later youth don't need to worry about brain health uh myth obviously because that's why we're talking about it uh malik you want to take the lead on that and aaron i want to hear from you on this one as well yes um so i do think so youth do 
youth also do need to learn take care of their mental, um, not their only their mental health, but their brain health, because that's they're in their developmental stages, and that it's really important within those developmental stages to do what you can now. The earlier, the better, because one, the earlier, the better. The more habits you pick up on, and the more things you continue to do, the earlier that you do them, and you don't have to go and learn these behaviors because they're already learned behaviors as you as you're growing older and taking care of your mind. And back to kind of what we were talking about when it comes to like alcohol and drug use, you know, we all know that if children that have not developed start to um, use drug and alcohol, it can stunt their development. And that also plays a role within memory as well. So yes. it is very important for kids to also pay attention to brain health and while they're children and not just when they come adults. So they're not trying to work on fixing the brain health. I love the way you put that. And Aaron, I got to pull you in here because Malik, you just touched on something I wanted to mention when I asked this question. I've learned that developing brains, uh, while the size of, of our brains tends to max out, you know, in those early teen years, uh, for boys, um, about 14, I understand for girls, it's even earlier, but our brains don't finish maturing and developing until we're in our late 20s. So there's a lot going on there through those, you know, Brother B. Wells youth um, uh, population community is 13 to 24. There's a lot going on in terms of brain development that's going on during with a lot of the youth, the Brother We Will youth community. And so that entire community needs to be uh, paying attention to brain health. Am I right, Aaron? Yeah. So I think with us understanding that the brain is not, you know, while the size, like you said, it kind of maxes out in your in your mid-teens, um, it, you don't completely mature into your, your mid-20s uh, for the brain. And so this puts our, like, young brains that are more susceptible to, like, stress. And so um, understanding that, we need to really focus on um, making sure that we're able to get the maximum amount of sleep. Um, you know, understand that these, um, the high susceptibility to stress um, puts you at risk for stress-related mental disorders such as depression, anxiety, um, and knowing that this is one of the main reasons that you're, you actually need more sleep when you're a teenager, right? Because you're still, your brain is still maturing. So thinking about now, these days, we have our kids up late, you know, watching TV and maybe understanding you know, why um, some kids have issues when it comes to um, some stress-related um, disorders. And it may be related to some of that late night TikTok or Instagram before, you know, school days. And you know what? I wish I could say it was all teens. I'm not, I don't even know what, I barely know what, <laughs> what TikTok is, but I'm a YouTube late night person. So, you know, I can relate to a lot of what our youth are dealing with. I want to ask you just to back up a little bit, Aaron, a, a follow-up question about sleep and catching up. You mentioned that you can't catch up. I, I need you to clarify for me. Um, it, what, if you find yourself in a position where you can't get, you know, that that solid uninterrupted block of time during the during the night, eight to nine hours, can you make up within that 24 hour period? What I'm getting at, does a nap help or is that a is that as a nap futile? If you don't get that sleep during that big block of time, you've kind of missed the opportunity to take care of your brain as much as you can. Yeah, I definitely think I, re I definitely really believe in the power nap. Um, I work nights and so I understand the importance of it and, yeah. you know, the outcomes from just a power nap, take, giving your brain a rest for 20 minutes and stepping away and unplugging. Mm. Right. And um, we talk a lot in this series about, um, you know, meditation and mindfulness. And so just understanding like that quick sleep and being able to take a step away from uh, the surroundings and stimulation, be able to get 
20 minute nap in, mm. although that shouldn't uh, replace the block of time during the evening when you're fully rested, um, it does give you a little bit of a boost throughout the day. And so I don't think that it should be uh, something that you practice regularly, missing sleep and then trying to catch up with naps. Mm -hmm. um, the big thing I was talking about is um, when people say they're going to make up sleep, so they get four hours one night and the next hour is, oh, I'm just going to sleep 10 hours. Right. That's, that's just not how it works. It, it, it reminds me of that. I think it was a Justin Timberlake movie. Where he he they had time on their you know amount of time they could live and they could recharge their credits. Oh yeah, it just reminds me of that, and that's it's just not possible. That's uh -huh. not how you operate. You can't just go because you're you're still uh, expected to perform the same yeah. in that block of time. Correct? Yeah, so correct. Yeah. You, there's no catch up the next day. It's really yeah. going to impact how you um, you operate throughout that day and put a lot of stress on your body and your mind. I'm glad you as my friend and my expert, Aaron, you said you believe in the power now. I, I take one every every Wednesday before we do these podcasts <laughs> because this is a long day for me and I'm up pretty early anyway, 5, 5.30 in the morning. And I, I thought I might be cheating myself and doing some damage. So I'm, I'm glad to, to hear from you. That, no, it's a good thing. I set that timer. And like you said, I set it for 30 minutes and often 15, 20 minutes is all I need to kind of reset. You talked about that computer. Sometimes you just have to reboot the computer to get it back online. And that's how I think of that power nap when I need it. So thanks for affirming that. Let's get to dementia before we wrap up a couple of other myths before we wrap this podcast up. Dementia is an equal opportunity problem, meaning all ethnic groups are equally susceptible to that. I've learned that for black and brown people, that that may not be the case, that we may be more susceptible to to um, to dementia. Uh, Malik, why don't you take the lead on that one? Uh, yes, I got you. Um, so. Basically, it's it's the the numbers are higher and I don't not necessarily knowing it, knowing what factors that play into role. But the numbers are higher for African-Americans where it's more like 36 percent um, African-Americans where in Hispanic is more of like 18, 18, 19 percent. And then Asian-Americans, it's like 18, 19 percent. Yeah. But um, so it's like people of color do have a higher, higher chance. But um, right now it's a higher number of African-Americans. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 what I've learned is African-Americans and, and, and Hispanic-Americans uh, just slightly trail us. So that could be, again, social determinants of health. There could be something else going on. But we black and brown men need to be particularly uh, concerned and, and, and be proactive in making sure we're doing what we can do to, to stave off dementia. Um, the final of these myths, the mood has very little to do with the mind. There's that there's no connection between, you know, some of the things we've been talking about, um, depression, anxiety, and your overall mental health, obviously a myth. It, the question for you guys is mental well-being related to brain health, especially as we age. Malik? Um, yeah. So, so as we know, um, mental well-being definitely plays a huge role in brain health. And so mental health is just like, a because mental health is a huge part of our physical health. Yeah. When we are not feeling physically, uh, mentally okay, a lot of times you, a lot of people do have physical symptoms of not being mentally well. When you're feeling depressed or you're feeling heartbroken or you're feeling anxiety, people have physical symptoms. And so we know that it plays a big role into our brain health as well. And also 
a lot of a lot of times depression and anxiety can also plays a big role into us having those moments of memory loss. So it's important for us to take care of our mental health in order to ultimately taking care of our brain health, because it also ties into our physical health. And I think that's what people forget a lot of times that the, if you're that a lot of people look out, you know, we work out and we do these things for our body, but we don't work out our mind enough. And our mind is like the main source of what connects our body to be okay. Yeah, so powerful. I, I like that. The, the computer I'm going to walk away with and then uh, the mental workout. In fact, we may do a, a separate podcast or video on uh, mental workout. What would that mental workout look like? I love it. Aaron, do you have anything uh, that you want to add to that final one before we wrap up? Yeah, I just think about, you know, when we think about our mental well-being and the impacts it may have on our our, our mood, um, I think about, like, you know, how the, the overall resting of the body of the resting of the mind makes you um, uh, deal with stress through the day a lot better. And I, I, I talk a lot about that because I know working night shift, no matter how much sleep I get, mm. I always feel kind of tired. And so when I fl- switch back from from nights to days, sometimes, you know, dealing with the small minor stresses of the day kind of throws me over the edge a little bit. Right. And so oh. understanding <laughs> no matter how strong I believe my mind is, I think just um, not being able to have the opportunity to exercise or not having the opportunity to have proper sleep it really just sets me up to not be able to handle those normal stresses through the day that yeah. I might be able to better deal with later. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Really appreciate uh, the two of you coming together. We mentioned that there have been some long days on all three of our parts. So whenever you you agree to come together to help us at Brother Rewell unpack some of these issues that we need to, to talk about and, and address, I really appreciate it. Um, Malik Sampson, an associate marriage and family therapist and clinical advisor to Brother Rewell. He's with hearyou.org. Thank you, sir. And Aaron King, secretary of the Capital City Black Nurses Association and registered nurse. Thank you to both of you for joining us here at Brother Rewell. Thank you. Really appreciate appreciate it. We'll see you next time. And if you, you, as you've been listening, if you've heard something that has intrigued you, you want to hear a little bit more about this topic or learn a little bit more about it or find out about all of the different topics that we're addressing here on this platform, um, addressing the mental and behavioral health of boys and men of color, uh, African-American, Latinx, uh, Asian Pacific Islander, and Native American, um, 13 and up, go to our website, brotherbewell.com. Brotherbewell.com, you'll find podcasts, videos, print pieces, all kinds of resources for you to help on your uh, own mental health journey. Until next time, I get to talk to you, and I do love to talk to you. My name is Michael P. Coleman, again, content director for Brother Be Well, and I want to encourage you to do two things for me, if you would. Take great care of yourself until next time. And then once you get that down, reach out and take good care of somebody else. Until next time, bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Brother Be Well podcast. There are lots of people that look like us stepping up to take the journey to wellness. Stay connected by joining peer support groups and happenings in the Brother Be Well community this month. Watch for text alerts and hook up with us for the next episode of Brother Be Well. I'm Leon Guidry, and we're out.